This is Alan Lazard, a.k.a. the Lizard King, a.k.a. the Komodo Dragon from the Green Bay Packers. And you're listening to Top Shelf Fantasy Podcast. Top Shelf Fantasy. Hey, what's up, Shelfies? We're coming at you, me and Scotty, for Top Shelf Podcast number 207. Today is August 16th. It's today, Tuesday. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Top Shelf FNTSY. Listen to all our podcasts on the website, topshelffantasy.com, or any other podcast player for that matter. And please, I've been saying it the last few weeks, sign up or try to get into the drawing for our listener league. We got prizes coming out the ass. We don't even know what to do with them. We got a Kenneth Walker signed jersey. Looks like, well, we'll get into it, but looks like he might be the starter in Seattle sooner rather than later. We got a Ricky Williams signed jersey to give away and a bunch of other TSF swag, discount codes, yada, 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 a bunch of good stuff going over there. So, Scott, what's going on, brother? Not much. Um, also, I want to just say that um, if you go on the website at topshelffancy.com, uh, Dow's wrote a cool little fantasy football game changer and pro tips. I think it's five tips. For yeah, your draft. five tips off the top, right, for everybody. Uh, I'm going to start doing that weekly. That's going to be a weekly installment. Um, just I got a million of them ready to go vis-a-vis my own noggin, but also a bunch of like other good, just good rules of thumb, different tips that I picked up along the way, some from the TSF guys, some from other people, some from other podcasts. Just want to put it all in writing so it goes out to everybody however it's not going out to everybody it's only going out to our subscribers the first five are free well technically they're all going to be free because it doesn't cost anything to subscribe but sign up on the website two It'll seconds straight to your email you'll get early access yeah literally it takes you as long as it takes to type your email address that should be about three or four seconds for a normal human being sorry grandma that's about 15 minutes for you but sign up on the website you get stuff for free we don't bug you in your emails we're not sending you spam stuff we're not taking your data and selling it to any institutions trust me if we could we might think about it but nobody's asking to buy it from us yet (laughs) yeah and uh for the listener league we have currently five members part of it um a couple of them are people that used our draft kit last weekend i said hey if you can you want to use our draft kit you might as well you know be part of the league so oh hell um, yeah sign up or email us Tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. If you want to have a little cheat sheet, our rankings, a little draft kit with sleepers and bus and everything, let us know. We'll give you a little invite to the league as well. Yeah, I mean, if you tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of the social medias, you got like a pretty good shot at getting in right off the rip. If you subscribe on the website, you got like an 80% chance of getting in the league, mm-hmm. I'd say. So just go ahead and do both those things, lock in your chances, and then you get some uh, shot for a free league that can win you some gear. And all you have to do is beat us. I mean, easier said than done, but did we win last year and then we just gave it a second place? No, we, we, we actually came in second place oh, okay. last year. Um, I knew we were talking yeah. about it. I didn't remember how we nope. finished. Yeah, because we were going to say, do we give the, out the jersey anyways? And it was T. Higgins. Like, I kind of want it now, but we we lost fair and square to Mersh. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that, that feels um, better anyways. Yeah. But two jerseys, old school and new school. Yeah. And despite the picture, I know we couldn't find the right thing that we needed, but the Ricky Williams jersey is the nice teal old oh, school dolphin. So nice. Genie. Yeah. I like that color. It looks really nice. Um, and then the Kenneth Walker is the fresh ass Seattle jersey, which is always a good looker. 
Yeah, I mean, especially if, if the guy can hit, that jersey's going to be worth a lot more in a year and a half or two years. Like, I, I got to sign DeAndre Swift football, him coming into the draft. Now I'm like, I don't want to give that away. <laughs> oh, dude, it's... absolutely. Why would you? That thing's going to be worth a friggin' arm and a leg in a year from now. Yep. All right, uh, get into the news. So we're going to split up the news. Um, we'll do the injuries on this podcast, and we have a second podcast coming to you later. We'll do the news uh Camp hypes, preseason stuff, all that fun stuff. But um, injuries, both K-Makers and Daryl Henderson are dealing with soft tissue injuries. Yeah, which is not uh, ideal given both of their injury histories. So K-Makers, soft tissue, probably obviously better than ligament. Or if you heard that he was suffering from like ankle or foot soreness, something like that. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. But if he's dealing with soft tissue, I mean, that could be quad, hammy, calf, any of that stuff, all stuff that sticks with you. Uh, Daryl Henderson, same exact boat. I mean, we don't have the details. It's kind of like when your hockey injury report comes out and it just says lower body. But, I mean, soft tissue is lingering. It's, it's stuff that you got to get over quickly. It's not from fatigue. It's not from an actual, you know, traumatic physical event where you broke a bone. Like, stuff that just sucks for a long time. So. Bad to see it this early in preseason. Hopefully, they have time to get right before game one. Yeah, they shouldn't even touch the field till week yeah. one. But, and they're I both mean, familiar enough with the offense at this point that they shouldn't need those camp reps. Right, and it's good for the you know the Jake Funk. Um, got him blanking on the rookies. Iron Williams. Yeah, who's my dart throw? But yep. Um, it, it, it's good to get those guys a lot of reps because Kim Makers and Henderson Coat could go down both go down at the same time when the season starts so you want to get those young guys reps with um you know that that unreal offense so oh yeah 100 like they they had to let go of sony michelle but it sucks for them because sony michelle was the perfect oh, third guy the perfect on their person team. yeah like you weren't going to pay him anything to stick around as the as the third stringer but right he was a great fit for that yep um jj Thega, i said it right a Thega white side traded to seattle uh for a cornerback or something yeah. but it's more I mean, or less a nothing trade but it's good to see him just getting opportunity somewhere else it obviously wasn't working in philly no i mean you can go down the line with failed philly wide receivers him and then start with rager too we'll see where he's at yeah year, rager's but... got probably one year left he had a little bit more draft stock because he was in the same class as arthaga right so i thought just... arthaga, arthaga was a year before because rager was a big he was a first round pick he got picked pick before uh justin jefferson yeah Crazy. exactly like that, that was imagine if they had justin jefferson what a different what a different looking squad that is yeah but who knows if he would be justin jefferson now with the opportunities oh, but right. um i know you said ken walker's you know could be the lead back in seattle he's now dealing with a hernia injury yeah uh, it came out about is, an hour ago before we started the podcast which is never good because Hernia is like an overexertion type injury. Also, you're right. Arthago White said it's 2019. Rieger was 2020. But uh, yeah, Ken Walker dealing with the hernia. I mean, that's something that doesn't heal on its own like 99% of the time. Like the surgery is basic on it, but you probably, I don't know, probably laid up for two weeks and then you're back on right. the field. Which but is not great two, for, for these. Two weeks, a professional uh, uh, NFL running back probably loses. 15 pounds in two weeks on the couch, you know, when they're not eating and exercising at their max capacity. So uh, not a good thing to see, but we've seen a lot of players play through hernia injuries in the past. So 
we'll see what it what, what comes of it. And if it's just a rest and pain management issue, maybe just you get a real early look and uh, at, at if he's actually as tough as we think he is, or he doesn't play at all, and you're like, son of a gun, a hard waste of a jersey, a signed <laughs> jersey. I think I think at the very very worst, they're not going to sit him a whole year for a freaking hernia. They'll have him have no. surgery, and he'll be no. back week six. They'll put him on pup or something like that. But you just don't want to see that because that gives Rashad Penny time to uh, get hot enough to stay on the field or, or anybody else for that matter. Yep. Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, yada, yada, all the way down the line. Uh, and then for Patriots news, Malcolm Butler seasoning and ending IR. Yeah, it's crazy that a 9,000-year-old cornerback who sat out all of the previous season would get hurt. Um, I'm shocked <laughs> by it. And by shock by it, I mean I completely saw it coming and the Patriots put me on staff because I would have never allowed them to sign him in the first place. Yeah, what a waste. Um, it just thins out an already thin position. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you want to look we at lost Jones, right? For the season? Yeah. Um, so that's well, two cornerbacks. Did we already lose him? This whole, whole One of the already? What, we have three Joneses? Yeah, we have three Joneses. Yeah, well, while you look at that, Anthony yeah. Miller is all on season ending IR as well. Don't even know why I added that, but just a name <laughs> that was big a couple years ago. Uh, still won't have a chance to see the field for another year. Yeah, I mean, he's just a guy that, like, has not been able to put it together. And he's got all the talent in the world. When you see him on the field and he's healthy, he's making plays, he's dynamic. He just isn't on the field enough for it to matter, which is oh, I was so high on that guy. <laughs> yeah, so you were, you were the, probably the biggest. Me uh, and Craig were. Okay. Craig was too. But, I mean, I mean it, rightfully so, he gets seven touchdowns his rookie year. You thought he'd build off of that, but it was just oh. a – Dis- so disaster. The Joneses are fine. Jawan Williams is on IR. Okay. Yeah. So another common because Jonathan, Jonathan Jones is our top cornerback for now. Yep. But it just uh, again back to Malcolm Butler for a second. It's just a, a continued thinning of an already weak position for the Patriots. I mean, you have Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, the rookie, who we really don't know what he's going to bring to the table. Terrence uh, Mitchell is arguably the the cornerback two there and he's like 40 years old so it, it's a big concern but any other team that's about to play the patriots you're probably starting all of your wide receivers immediately and hoping for the best yep um zach wilson had surgery uh best case scenario uh is clean so he's likely at week one but it sounds like it could be only be week one maybe week two um but it could have been a lot worse yeah, I mean, initial reports were saying ACL, MCL, UCL, LCL, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes out, it's like a mild sprain. So you went from tear of a major ligament down to a sprain of a minor one. If you're a Wilson owner, you're thanking your lucky stars. I had just traded Wilson earlier in the, the very same day for Davis <laughs> well, you know, Mills it was like and this, a third like rounder. An hour later, right? Maybe yeah, it was, not it even. Was, it was a quick turnaround. And as you know, <laughs> our buddy Pat and Pat texted me, he's like, you son of a bitch. I was like... I honestly said to him, I was like, hey, if it's a serious injury, we can we can void it out. We'll just we'll just mm-hmm. trade him back. It's no big deal. I'm not going to hold you to it. We couldn't have seen this coming because um, we were honestly just swapping quarterbacks as we both had bye week issues with our starters and our backups. <laughs> so it was like it's supposed to be a nothing trade. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't mean to rake you over the coals. I obviously didn't know he was going to get hurt, but yeah, it all worked out. So we're all happy. Yep. Um... The interesting thing that you noted here is that Flacco is the one filling in, not the darling of last year, Mike White. Yeah, I mean, I don't I know if it matters or he, like Mike White was great last year, but he had games where 
he stuck and then he got benched. So it's like, yeah. at, at least you know what Flacco gives you. It's a it's a game manager that's not going to really lose you a game. Mike White can lose you a game. Yeah, I would just say it doesn't really move the needle because neither one of them are playable. Yep. Even in two quarterback leagues, nobody wants these guys. Nope. Uh, and then some pup stuff. Uh, Christian Watson is off the pup, which is great um, for the Packers. And Michael Gallup still on the pup, but he's running individual drills um, and cutting on the sidelines. Yeah, running and cutting is huge for Gallup. So that increases his likelihood of being back sooner. I doubt it's week one. There's no reports saying that it's going to be week one. So I would get those thoughts out of your head sooner rather than later and just start adjusting ahead of time. Um, more interesting is the Christian Watson news because that gives him at least a couple weeks to get some reps under his belt with Aaron Rodgers. So that's huge. That allows him and Rodgers and Alan Lazard to all start working as one cohesive unit. So I'm excited about that. Um, I don't know that it makes him instantly like shoot up ADP boards. I don't know if that's the case, maybe. But yeah, maybe a few spots, but maybe a few spots. I mean, he's late, late major, right? Anyways. He's kind of a stash. I mean, you've seen rookies with Aaron Rodgers for years kind of have the same uh, learning curve hurdle that the rookies with Tom Brady and, and other, you know, elite quarterbacks have had. It's, it's, you don't just show up one day and start playing and you're nasty more often than not. It takes a long time to, 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 to build that rapport. So, um, it's interesting, something to keep an eye on, but it's not something I'm, I'm, I'm overreacting to. And if you go ahead and read that article I put out today, it's almost exactly echoing that point, you know, read the stuff on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find it, get all your news that you can, but don't overreact to it. I mean, Christian Watson comes off the pup. Doesn't mean that you drop Devontae Adams for him. It means, you know, keep an eye on him. See if anybody else picks him up. Somebody picks him up for a buck. It makes it a lot different than if somebody picks him up for 40 bucks. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, that's all the news we have for this uh, podcast. So we'll get right into the NFC North previews. Um, so that yeah. is the Detroit Lions. Hard Knocks Detroit Lions, by the way. Watch it. Dan Campbell's a cycle. <laughs> Psycho, not a cyclist. Uh, Min- Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Chicago Bears, and of course, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so, Daz, do you want to start with the worst of the best? Yeah, we'll take it worst to first. Um, I believe that puts us at starting with the Detroit Lions at three and thirteen, three thirteen and one. My apologies, which is actually worse than their previous season at five and eleven. <laughs> um, you know, Dan Campbell much more likable than Matt Patricia, but maybe not as good of a football mind. Um, but it looks like if you've watched Hard Knocks, it looks like he's very intent on turning it around. He's brought in some talent. They obviously found a few guys towards the end of last year that they believed in. Jared Goff seemed to start to play a little bit better. He crept his completion percentage up to 67%, threw for over 3,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight picks. I've talked about this on previous podcasts. You want to see that difference a little bit bigger before you start putting your faith in a quarterback. I mean, just barely over, um, you know, barely over double touchdowns to interceptions or two to one ratio is not quite what you're looking for, but he's closing in on it. So, um, what he did do this year, which he's struggled with in the past, is controlled his fumbles. He only had two fumbles. Um, in the past, we've seen him have much, much higher totals. So Jared Goff is at least trending in the right direction under under the Dan Campbell slash, uh, well, now it's currently Ben Johnson leadership. And Ben Johnson's a former 
tight end coach for the um, for the Lions who took over for Anthony Lynn after he left this year. So it's a very interesting little mix with the number of tight ends, tight end coaches who are gaining uh, coordinator positions on the Lions squad. And that kind of makes sense because Dan Campbell is a tight end himself. And it's just something to kind of monitor, I think, as we continue to move forward. But what I'm more interested with with the Lions is the running back situation because you've got most of the talent on this team concentrated at running back between Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, Craig Reynolds, Godwin Iguabike, Jamar Jefferson, not necessarily in that order, but you've realistically got your elite guy in DeAndre Swift. I think nobody's going to argue that followed up by Jamal Williams, despite the fact that Jamal Williams out touched DeAndre Swift last year, which is, well, I shouldn't say out touched out, Carried. rush attempt yep. yes out carried him because DeAndre Swift made his money in the receiving game so if you're in a PPR league you want DeAndre Swift I mean PPR half PPR any accounting for for receptions DeAndre Swift is shooting up boards and we've seen him go I mean you, you've already had a couple of drafts right Scott so you've seen him go high yeah I mean he's being ranked as a back in RB1 high in RB2 yep but yeah P- P- PPR league is he's he's probably top 10 running back oh, and I, yeah. I can't argue that because i mean like 78 targets last year I, I, in only 13 games i don't see that really changing uh, jamal is not a massive target haul hog um i mean he did well last year caught it in 93 percent of uh the time but um i mean i think that's what they want though they want to split carried backfield with the majority of the targets going to swift i mean that's it, it's i mean it's only three wins they get in the season, but for fantasy, I think you will take that every day. Yeah. And you know, that Jared Goff is going to continue to look for his check down in the running back position. So one of the safer plays you could possibly make is drafting lions running backs, even if they don't do a ton of damage on the actual running portion of of their job out of the backfield. Swift is going to, is going to make, make ends meet. So uh, definitely something to keep looking at. And the, the other guy that everybody wants to look at on this team is Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, he had an absolute monster finish to last season and really came out of nowhere to accumulate almost 120 targets. He had 119 targets and 90 catches for just shy of 1,000 yards. So heck of a season for him. The problem is this year they bring in Jamison Williams, who is expected to be back sooner rather than later. You're going to bring TJ Hawkinson back to start the year. He only played 12 games last year, so he missed some time. And you've also still got the looming threat of Quintez Cephas and uh, the other wide receiver whose name escapes me. But thinking of um, Josh Reynolds. Yes, Josh Reynolds, who we've seen uh, Jared Goff have a connection with for years and years and years. So there's a lot of limiting factors to what Amon Ra uh, might have as a ceiling. But if I'm a betting man, I'm going to take Amon Ra before any other wide receiver in this offense. Right. Unless and it's dynasty, in which case you could make the Jamison Williams case. But I think I'm still mm-hmm. going to lean on Rock because he's still so young. Yep. He's only, this is going to be his sophomore season. Yes, it is. And, and, and again, we haven't talked about yet and we forgot to add, but um, DJ Chark yes. is also there. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a funny receiving core, but it could be packed. Like, like, right. Like, a lot of mouths to feed. Right, like Amon Ra was uh, wide receiver one in fantasy playoffs, like the wide receiver one last season. Like that was probably half of his fantasy points within the last three weeks. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if like 
he can continue that trend because of like like Chark, Jameson there. They want to probably focus more on the running game too with Swift getting even more carries. But overall, Ramon Ra is the safest bet this season for sure with the lines. And everyone just kind of falls, you know, right below him. Yeah, I think the, the better argument it, it, it is Chark or Jameson. And it depends if Jameson's healthy to start. Yeah, I mean, assuming all things are equal and they're both equally healthy, which is assuming a lot with these two guys, I'd probably lean Jamison Williams, obviously, in any dynasty format. Where if we're talking strictly redraft, I think short-term, Shark probably comes out the gate pretty hot. But if he can't hang on to that role consistently, Jamison Williams is going to be there to scoop it up immediately. He's a guy that just is going to see an opportunity and he's going to see it like a, a door barely cracked open and then probably kick it in. I'd guess by week four or five, we see him have a, assuming he's on the field, we see him have a humongous breakout performance where he kind of snatches that Megatron role from years past. So that's kind of the projection I see. I see DJ Shark as a guy who fades in big spots at this point in his career. Um, we've heard or we've seen a lot of the, the uh, stories about him from, even Urban Meyer, as much as a, kind of a tool he was, I mean, he just said flat out, DJ Shark's not a tough guy on the outside. Yep, so unless soft. he shows up and he plays a different style of game than we've seen out of him his whole career, I think Jamison Williams is going to be the dog that shows up and, and, and takes that role you know, for himself. Yep, I sure hope so. I mean, we're all huge um, Williams fans here at oh, Top yeah. Shelf before he got hurt. So. Um, and, and then, of course, the tight end, I don't think we need to talk about much besides TJ Hawkinson. Like you said, 12 games last year. He started off hot, but kind of faded away. I mean, he's on the Lions, so again, like there's not so much opportunity there. But you're still taking him as a top top six tight end. I know you yeah, probably right argue him or Darren Waller at five or four, even toss Pitts in there, or Dalton Schultz. Like, he, yeah, he's, he's in a, that... Like he won't be the he will not be tight end one. He does not have tight end yeah, one. He's upside. in tier two for yeah. us, I would think. Um yeah, has to be safe bet though. I mean, if you're gonna wait a couple rounds later right. for a tight end, pockets it is fine. And if you can get 16 games out of him, I mean sky's still the limit. He's a great red zone target, he's a great uh yards after catch guy, he blocks well, so he's on the field a ton. But he's been hurt a lot, and you see him make risky plays, get concussed, hurt himself. It's He's got to kind of calm down on the field a bit and kind of play within himself. He's one of those guys I think maybe being on the Lions hurts him because he's trying to do too much. So maybe bringing some of this talent around him takes that load off of his shoulder, and I think maybe that helps keep him healthy. If that's the case, I think sky's the limit. But I shouldn't even say sky's the limit because I think like tight end three is his absolute ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to touch – Kelsey. The season, like Mark Andrews put up last year, Kelsey's consistently put up in his career. Waller, we've seen his upside go through the roof, and I just don't think that Hawkinson creeps into that territory. Pitts is still kind of an unknown for me. I mean, Mariota probably throws to him a ton. I think Pitts and Hawkinson are in, in a very comparable um, ceiling floor conversation. Yeah. All right. Um Next team. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, please. I think that's really all we've got. That's the Lions, but check them out. About the Lions. <laughs> Hard knocks. Dan Campbell's a blast to watch, so. Yeah, even his assistant coaches are a freaking riot when they're like fighting each other on the mm-hmm. sidelines. Oh, it's so funny. I'm like, are they actually gonna fight? Is someone gonna cry? I thought someone's gonna cry. 
it reminded me of like old school North Middlesex varsity football practice where like the coaches are literally about to fist fight each other on the sideline because both uh, both units suck so bad. Like your offense <laughs> is trash. It's like, yeah, well, also so is our defense. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the Bears. Duh, Bears. All right. Six and 11 last year after an eight and eight season, the season prior. Uh, Matt Nagy gets the can, gets his walking Ooh, papers, which is great. Finally. And in Matt Eberflus, who's definitely a much better offensive mind. And then he brings in uh, Luke Getze with him, who is the former Green Bay passing game coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. So you're bringing over some guys that may not have a lot of experience, but they have a lot of pedigree working with Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Fame wide receiver, Devontae Adams, uh, probably not Hall of Fame, but very high caliber offensive lineman, Andrew Bakhtiari and Andrew uh, Aaron Jones. So they've been around some guys that kind of blow every single person in Chicago out of the water. So these guys should walk up day one in the facility kind of like they know what they're doing. And I think a lot of guys uh, in Chicago are going to respect that despite being in the same division, division rival coaches, yada, yada, yada. I think it's going to be more of a respect thing than a, a rivalry thing. So Assuming that all comes to fruition, Justin Fields, who only played 12 games last year after he took over for Andy Dalton when everybody ran, realized Andy Dalton sucks, uh, you know, struggled mightily. Fields only had 59% completion percentage, which is well under the 65 that we're usually looking for. Didn't even pass for 2,000 yards, seven touchdowns to 10 interceptions. But in his defense, he didn't do it with a ton of talent around him. You know, Allen Robinson was his best receiver. And Allen Robinson, if you watch any of these games, looked checked out by the time Fields took over. Yeah, so he just gave up. It's tough to blame him. It's tough to, you know, distribute the blame on this team. It's tough to say whether it's the players, the coaches, the front office, or whoever. But what we do know is Justin Fields' athleticism is still unquestionable. We've seen him make some crazy plays on the field. And I think he's going to continue to build on that this year. And he has already looked a lot better in preseason this year than he did in uh, the entire the entirety of the season last year. So things are looking up. Hopefully they can get something to work because as I mentioned, Allen Robinson looked checked out last year. Well, he's officially checked out now as he's moved on to greener pastures on the LA Rams. So uh, the only thing Chicago did for him to help out is, or to, to replace him, I should say, is brought in Nikhil Harry, who's already hurting out for uh, maybe not the season, but at least a long time. It takes two two months. Yeah, two months. So he's not going to be back till it's way too late if you don't win a bunch of games. So it's really, I'm assuming, and maybe you have a different take, but I think it's really going to be the Darnell Mooney show. Yeah, and then if there's a second person, which I think they were hoping Nikhil might be it, um, Equanimous St. Brown's there. He's looked good in preseason. He's looked look good in the preseason game and camp. So it's him. I'm trying to think who the hell else is there that I saw. Is it, uh, is it, Tre- is it Treadwell that, that's there? Is yeah, it, Treadwell's or, there no, as or Tajay well. Sharp. It, it's one of those failed. Uh, ta- no, Tajay Sharp's definitely there. He's 88. Yeah, Tajay Sharp, the former Titans guy. You're right. Yeah, he, he had a good snag. Um, great toss by Fields last yep. game. But yeah, it's it's Des Newsome, Dax Milne, my brother-in-law. Um, no relation at all. He had no catches at all last year, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be in a draft and be in the last round. Like, all right, 
is it Harry? Is it St. Brown? Is it Daz Newsome? I'm going to pick up the guy that could be the wide receiver two there. I don't want him. I don't care who it is. It's Darnell Mooney. It's Cole Komet that, that, that we'll talk about probably next. Those are the two receiving options I only want. Yeah, Mooney goes down is a different story, but I'm not going to bank on that or, or yeah, think even, that way. Even if Mooney goes down, I don't think Daz Newsome is the solution or any of these other guys. They don't show up and immediately become you know top 20 wide receivers. So I'm not banking on that. I'm not even going to waste my time drafting them. Um, the Chicago Bears are just not a team I'm buying into, except for, like you said, Ed, um, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, because I think Cole Komet has a ton of red zone uh, promise. And we saw what he did last year. He had 93 targets, 60 catches. You'd like to see a tight end increase that percentage a bit. Yeah, and that's only um, 64. Yeah, but you need a lot higher than that if you're going to be yeah. a successful and tight end, no, especially in the red zone. No touchdowns too, which is weird because he was used it was just <clears throat> a, a lot of bad passes, failed plays. But I yeah. mean, this is a and team we don't I get to see could... all. You know, I don't see all of the all 22 footage, so it's hard for me to tell you. You know, oh, it you, was yeah. Cole Komet's you fault. Or it was going Fields back and fault. watching the Bears games. Only, last year. I, I only watched the all 22 on the Patriots, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but. The, the real thing to focus on here, I think, in Chicago is still the running back situation, right? David Montgomery, we've mentioned it time and time again. He had 225 rushes last year, but he didn't clear 1,000 yards, which is a problem. He had seven touchdowns and, you know, didn't lose the ball and whatnot, but he wasn't creating any space of his own. He was the – he I think he had the – what was he? The lowest yards before contact in the NFL, which means he's getting no blocking. So you don't want to put a square on his shoulders, but – at the end of the day, those are his stats. They, they stick with him, whether it's his fault or not. And when we're talking about fantasy football, we're just talking about stats. And he just can't uh, – he's not going to be able to eclipse anything unless he can get over four yards of carry. Yeah, and again, like we've seen the last two years, Montgomery always you know ends a season with the easiest schedule. Then he kind of makes his bread there. And then you're kind of like, all right, now he's like a RB2 when he was barely a flex the first you know eight weeks. And going into this season, who is the easiest strength of schedule for running backs? It's the Bears once again. So with that, he should get to four yards of carry. I know the line's not that great, but like you have that easy of a schedule. You got to be able to, to do some with it. The only thing is Kilo Herbert looked very good when Montgomery did go down 4.2 yards per carry. It was kind of weird because I thought when Montgomery came back from injury last year, it'd be more of a split because Herbert was like, RB one numbers for two weeks. And then it was just all Montgomery. So I think with this team, I mean, it's, it's a new head coach last year was whoever is the running back. I'm going to play that guy. 80% of the snaps could be different this year. Herbert, I think you can view as a poor man's Alexander Madison handcuffed to Montgomery. He's probably, yeah. he's probably a top five running back handcuff in the league. Um, so it's the, definitely a guy that that should be and will be drafted in your drafts in the next what three weeks until the season starts yeah exactly he's a guy that like monty monty goes down herbert can fill that void i think i, I made a trade earlier today and i traded away philip Lindsay, even though i had jt and i traded him for carson wentz and i traded two fourths for him um well i didn't trade away philip Lindsay. i just dropped philip Lindsay because i was at roster max and somebody chirped me and was like, oh, well, I dude, saw J- that. That, that, that's JT. Oh, yeah, you're still in the league. So I'm like, oh, that's JT's uh, handcuff. I was like, if JT goes down, Philip Lindsay's not going to be JT. 
if David Montgomery goes down, Khalil Herbert can be David Montgomery. Right. I, I firmly believe that. So that's the difference in handcuffs to me. Like I'm currently holding Hassan Haskins for some reason. I really think I'm going to drop him because if Derrick Henry goes down, Hassan Haskins doesn't become Derrick Henry. So that it's just a different conversation. So, right. so I think this is the perfect example to highlight that. Yep. It's like Khalil Herbert has looked so good. And even in the, this past preseason game, he looked good. I mean, he's making fast cuts. He's making the correct reads. Uh, he, I mean, he had a higher yards per carry than David Montgomery that started it last year. Also, so did Damian Williams for that matter. So really, it's only um, David oh, yeah. Montgomery that we're seeing with struggle with the yards per carry. Yeah, and Damian's gone now. I, I forgot to put that in there. He's off to Atlanta. Yeah, I but... mean, just the important point is two other running backs slotted in, even Ryan Nall for that matter, in very limited action, one carry all outperformed David Montgomery on a yard per carry basis. So you start to question, okay, well, first I was going to blame the offensive line and say it's not Monty's fault, but maybe it is, even though 4.2 isn't, you know, earth shattering. I'm not going to, you know, stake my claim to 4.2 yards per carry, but they're all better than 3.77. That is correct. <laughs> Math. Math. Um, and then we talk about Cole Komet for a bit. So uh, I think we're good with the, the Bears. Yeah, duh, Bears. So we'll duh move bears. on to uh, the Vikings. Who went eight and nine? Um, I was going to say it's up from seven and nine, but I guess it's kind of really just a lateral move. Uh, you can say it's up. Had Give them something. Game. Give them 0.5 <laughs> better record. Yeah, they were, I mean, they looked, I don't want to say better. They looked better passing the ball. They didn't look as good running the ball, but that's to be expected. If you're better at one, you're probably not better at the other. And then on the flip side, they're still bottom of the barrel on defense. So they remain a team that I like to target for my fantasy football offensive weapons, because if your defense can't stop a nosebleed, they're going to be out there on the field or sorry, other offenses are going to be out there on the field running up the score against them. And then the Vikings offense is just trying to keep pace, which would then further explain their 12 position drop in rushing yards rank while they increased their passing yards rank by three spots. Well, yeah, you're throwing the ball and not running it a ton because you were playing from behind all the time. So definitely a team I want to keep focusing on. Um, again, another year of this. Kirk Cousins gets no respect. He's a consistent QB1 in the NFL and in fantasy football. He throws just over 65% completion, which is what my threshold is always. 65 is what I'm looking at. Anything above that I'm, I'm interested in. He threw for 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, and only seven picks. I think that's the ratio that I'm always talking about with these quarterbacks is look at touchdowns and interceptions. This is what you want, 33 to 7. That means he's scoring you, let's see, 33 touchdowns. You do a four-point per touchdown league. That's 132 points versus seven picks, which only costs you 14. There's, you know, there's your difference between him and a quarterback that throws for 21 touchdowns and 14 picks. Yeah, I mean, he had a fantastic season, too, and he's always viewed as a guy outside the QB one range, but he always finishes right there. Yeah, and, and he's the guy, he's if you want to not draft a quarterback, yep. wait till the last round and grab him. He'll be there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, we have fantastic options here. We can start with the running backs. Uh, Delvin Cook, I think we just figure he's a top five, top six running back, however you want to rank him. Um, we talked about Alexander Madison before, and he, again, he's probably the number one handcuff in the league for the third year in a row. 
Yeah, he is. Um, I've I've actually started to cool on that a bit. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I'm, my entire point is that he has not seized the opportunity each and every year when Dalvin Cook has gotten hurt. Like, Cook goes down, you have Madison, you plug Madison in, he gives you like nine points. You're like, well, damn. I mean, I was expecting you Dalvin to Cook. come in and instantly <laughs> replace that 15 to 20 point game. And then I'm looking at the stats and I go, okay, he had three touchdowns. That's pretty good. 491 yards. That's not that good. And then a 3.66 yards per carry. He's in that David Montgomery territory. They're like, damn. All right. Well, maybe he caught the ball a ton. Nah, not really. He caught 32 balls. That's okay in limited usage, but 39 targets. So, I mean, he caught it mostly everything that was thrown to him, but he only added 228 yards and only one touchdown. So you're kind of like, while he is the, I, I still think he is the top handcuffed, oh, sorry, handcuffed, just because of how likely it is that Dalvin Cook gets hurt. I just don't know that when Dalvin Cook gets hurt, that Madison has that upside that makes him, it's hard to say not rosterable, but he's certainly susceptible to losing his job to somebody else. And if Kenny and Wongu can show up, and continue to run for 4.7 yards a carry. Madison could easily be on the way out, especially under a new coaching regime yeah, that true. is going to replace uh, Mike Zimmer. Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips are both coming over from the Rams. And I think they may have very well learned a lesson from Sean McVay burning out Todd Gurley's knees and saying, listen, we're not running Dalvin Cook 250 times because he can't handle it. So maybe it becomes the Dalvin Cook-Alexander-Madison 60-40 split. And then as soon as Madison's not effective in that role, they go, well, let's try this other guy. We got Kenny and Wongo. He's a fantastic athlete. He ran back two kicks last year. The kid's a freak. Or they go even further down and they say, well, how about one of the guys that we actually drafted, Ty Chandler? We're obviously interested in him because that's our first pick as coaches. Something to keep an eye on. Oh, yeah, it's true. I, yeah, because like there were so many games last year or the last I mean, last two years that Cook goes down. And it's like, all right, I have Cook two, you know, 2.0 here in Madison and sure he's he's got you some good games but you're right there's been some games like we even saw two years ago Mike Boone ended up being the better back to own in that 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 offense when uh Cook did go down so um yeah new head coaches but I think Cook is still a safe top six running back to draft I know he's ranked as top three a lot of places so I can't really question your argument there um wide receivers we can just probably skip those, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, Justin Jefferson's the guy to own. That's period the end. He is so good. Uh, he's my wide receiver one on the season. I don't know if he's yours or not, Dows. Uh, can't remember. Have to check my rankings. Yeah, uh, it's probably... either him or Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup. It's one of those yep. three. Yep, and you can argue those three at all, like all day. Yeah. But this guy is just it, in just a sophomore. His Rookie year was awesome. Sophomore season, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns, over 100 receptions, 167 targets. Like, his floor is is awesome. His ceiling is like 2,000 yards. Like, he could break the record. Yeah, I would, and I would not be surprised. Especially with the, with the new coaches that they want to, you know, focus a lot more on the passing game than Minnesota has in the last three years. Right. And if um, when the sleeper article comes out, which should be Thursday, you guys will see I have K- uh, KJ Osborne in there for very much that same reason. Um, I know Adam Thielen is still the number two there. I'm not going to try to argue that. 
I just think he's very, very injury prone. And if that happens again for the, I don't even know the fourth season in a row, probably KJ Osborne is the very, very obvious next man up. And in a, t- in, in, in a team atmosphere that I think throws the ball a lot more than they have in the past under Mike Zimmer, who's an old school coach, you're going to see not only the wide receiver two have value, but the wide receiver three have value, the tight end have value. And God forbid, again, Adam Thielen goes down. KJ Osborne's your wide receiver too. So I think he's a, a guy that's very worth owning. Um, it, you can definitely get him late in drafts. I think his ADP was 84, uh, wide low. receiver 84, which is like dastardly low when he's probably still a flex play in a lot of formats, even as wide receiver three. And with the upside of a Thielen injury, I mean, he can easily find himself in, in wide receiver two territory. Yeah, I mean, I like him a lot. Seven touchdowns last season. Um, but again, like, go, go back to Thielen. If he does play the whole season, like, he's getting old, but he's going to get you the points. Like, he had 10 touchdowns last season and only 720 yards. Like, yeah. he's just a touchdown hog, and he always is going to be. He's he's a perfect red zone target. Like, yeah. just as he, oh, the Chris best security, yeah. security blanket in the end zone. So, if I... And, and Thielen, I don't know where his ADP is, but I know it's it's very far down. Yeah. If he plays 16 games, 17 games, he's probably finishing as a wide receiver two. You're probably drafting him as your bench wide receiver now. So yeah. If and, he's if he's there late, get him. If he gets yeah. hurt, okay, it's it's my bench wide receiver. I can live with that. Like I knew the risk. That's why I took it. Didn't work out. Move on. Pick up KJ Osborne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, There's no reason to fade Thielen. Like we again, we can. Predict injuries when you're planning on your contingency plan, but don't predict injuries to stop you from drafting a player. But you can kind of try to make yeah. that or reconcile that thought process in your mind. Like, I will not draft Thielen just because I think he's going to get hurt. I'll draft him and then deal with him getting hurt and then hopefully have a contingency plan in place. And hopefully it's KJ Osborne. And I'm yeah. feeling, you know, I'm almost handcuffing a wide receiver, which is probably a few and far between move, but <laughs> in this situation, it might work. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little different there. Um, yeah. And then tight end, Tyler Conklin's gone. He's with the Jets now. Aerosmith Jr. Um, Struggling to stay healthy again. Again, already. like he, he's questionable for, for week one, and that was two weeks ago. Yeah, I think when, I don't know if you were on the podcast too, or just me and Craig, but we kind of compared it like, hey, this is like OJ Howard type stuff here. Like we wanted this guy to be good and every year. Oh, it's going to be his year this year. Hurt, 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 not producing. Like, yeah. OJ Howard, Chris Herndon, about to yeah. file him in the same box. Well, and, and then we would talk about, um, he's more comparable to, um, I think Craig brought it up. Eric Ebron too, a first yeah. round pick in the NFL, like didn't pan out. Like you have these injuries. And I mean, I know in dynasty, the guy that, owns him in our league once an arm and a leg for a guy that's had one good game in, in three seasons. <laughs> so, but again, I, Irv Smith is, is going to be a sleeper type of guy and, and sure he could hit, but I am, I'm avoiding him almost at all costs. Cause there's other tight ends that I would take Cole commit over him. And they're probably going a, a, around the same space at a spot, like Hunter Henry, just safer guys that you've known that, that ha- have played and you know what their role is. Irv Smith, you don't know. Like he could be the fourth option behind KJ Osborne. Yeah, you won't see Herb Smith on my rosters this year. I can promise you that. Unless I did a dynasty startup where 
it's not salary based. It's just, you know, stash a guy forever yep. and I could, and I could get him for a buck or two or whatever. Um, short of that, like a redraft team, you won't see Irv Smith on my team. It's he's too risky. Well, There's a very, very high chance that he gives you zero game split on, on any given year. And if you draft him, you have to draft someone else. Cause right. if you're drafting this weekend, like I'm drafting this weekend, I, I had to draft two t- tight ends around the same spot where I, I like to get my, you know, handcuffs or backup wide receivers, backup quarterback. I had to draft two t- tight ends because I don't know if Irv Smith will be ready for week one or even after that. Like, right. Just just avoid it if you can. Let someone else deal with it. And it's not like he's going to win you the league. Like, he's right. not going to become a, t- a top five, which I think a, a, a lot of people think that and want that. I just don't see it happening. Not, yeah, I mean, say your team not throws the ball 450, let's say 500 times for the sake of math. Well, Justin Jefferson's eating 170 of those targets right off the bat. So he doesn't even have the the target share and in, you in think the, the best of worlds to running see backs are enough combining to be wide for, or tight end one. Yeah. And, yeah. and the RBs are combining for 100 of those yeah, targets exactly. there. And then, yeah, I, it's just... The math doesn't add up in your favor, so not, don't play with it. I'm not into it. All right, let's move on to the uh, cream of the crop when it comes to the NFC North, at least as far as last year was concerned. The Green Bay Packers. They went 13-4, and four, improving on or staying the same as their 13-3 and three record from the season prior. Uh, really across the board, you saw some improvements. You saw some, some dips. So their passing yards, they went up one position from ninth to eighth. Rushing yard, or sorry, rushing yards, however, they went from math went from eighth place down to 18th place so a lot of that i think you can attribute to aaron Rodgers kind of having a hell of a year he threw the ball 366 or 366 completions almost a 70 percent completion percentage 37 touchdowns and four picks so mvp once again yeah and i was just raving about kirk cousins with his 33 uh touchdowns and seven picks so widen that gap even further we're talking about aaron Rodgers. i mean the guy can play quarterback what's going to be interesting is him playing quarterback this year without the services of Devontae Adams as his safety blanket on the outside we have not really seen Aaron Rodgers without an elite number one wide receiver in maybe ever I mean at least several years since Jordy Nelson hung him up I guess but he had Devontae Adams to overlap with Jordy Nelson so kind of tricky to say what Aaron Rodgers can do without that. I think he's a good enough quarterback to make it work. He still has the talents of Alan Lazard. He's got Amari Rodgers. He's got Randall Cobb. Um, he's got several other guys. I'm sure I'm forgetting right now. Yeah, but not forgetting much. No, that's really it. Um, they didn't bring in a ton either. They lost Devontae Adams. They lost MVS, which is the other big loss. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown. I'm not so worried about Mercedes Lewis retired. I'm not that worried about it, but between the Devonta Adams loss and the MVS loss, you're really talking about Alan Lazard, who's a former not really wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver two slash three at best, taking over what we expect to be the bulk of duties as, as the Devonta Adams role. And if you're a Green Bay fan, you're probably uh, shaking in your boots because he's not the upper echelon Devonta Adams type talent. Nobody in the NFL is, so I don't really expect – they were, it's not like they were going to bring somebody in who's going to immediately make you feel, uh, you know, like it's all sunshines and uh, sunshine and rainbows in, in Green Bay. But right. 
Alan Lazard asking him to do that, I think, is a, is a big ask. And he's a friend of the program. I don't want to give him too much guff, but oh, he sure is. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get on his case, but I think he would agree that he's not Devontae Adams as well. Yeah, and I don't think he wants to. I mean, I'm sure he'd want to be him, and we all do. Yeah. But I'm sure he's paycheck. probably like, hey, like if you can find like, like I'll, I'll do the one <laughs> B to like Christian Watson, or like we said, like they should have brought in the guy like um, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller still out there, like. Julio Jones was a target too of theirs. They didn't, it just, they were just, it's every year the Packers just screw Rodgers over. And the yeah. year he gets paid, like, oh, cool. By the way, Adams is gone. <laughs> but I mean, they both both knew that. Um, and I think Rodgers will be fine fantasy wise back in quarterback one, high end quarterback two. He'll make it work. But 269 vacated targets. And we talk about this all summer with division previews, vacated targets really help out the running backs a lot more than receivers. You're not going to see Lazard get 160 targets. You're not going to see rookie Christian Watson or Romeo Dubs combined for 160. Right. Aaron Jones would have a fantastic season because we've seen AJ Dillon and him kind of split on the ground, but Dillon is probably more into a role now that he's going to get more carries this year. Leave it Aaron Jones more as the pass catching back. With that, with those vacated targets, Jones could have a friend like a massive year, absolutely massive yeah. year. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, this is a backfield that I would want to buy into heavily. I know people go, "Oh, well, there's no Devontae Adams. They're going to stack the box." Still, Aaron Rodgers. They're not stacking shit. If yep. you stack the box against Aaron Rodgers, he'll make you pay. I don't care if I'm running running routes for him out there; he'll figure it out. So, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, I want pieces of. Uh, had Kylan Hill gotten back on the field a little bit sooner. I mean, he's still on pup right now. I'd be looking still at him from too. last year. Yeah, he tore his ACL week yeah. nine. So, oh, okay. Uh, all right. That makes yeah, sense he's then. a little slow on the for recovery, some reason. I thought it was like, back, like so. way earlier. Yeah, I'm happy they're they're keeping it safe. But there's a there's a world in which all three running backs could be on the field and contributing if Kylan Hill can get back there. So definitely a backfield to keep your eye on and buy into heavily. But I think you mentioned um, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs for that matter. But Christian Watson is the guy that I would be looking at as somebody who I'd be very, very interested in. We talked about him at the top of the podcast. Um, he's off pup. He's practicing. He's going to be ready to play week one. It looks like if he's opposite Alan Lazard in week one, he should be in your lineup. I mean, I think that's almost child's play. If, if he's not in your lineup, at least as a flex play, you're wasting him on your bench because his upside is tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he was a high draft pick, and we'll know after week one what the offense looks like. It could be Watson as the one, and we'll know that Yeah, early. Oh, there's a very real world where they say, well, Lazard, like, you know your role. Just keep running, you know. You and he's probably fine with it. He's like, sure, I'll be 1B. I've had right, a great they career call with it. it. They don't even call it wide receiver 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 in the NFL. They just say you're X, Y, Z. All right, well, you already know X's routes. So yep. why would you learn something new when we can just bring the new kid in and have him learn why? That is like so mean too. If it, if like the NFL team's like, hey, uh, Lazard, you're two, um, Dubs or Cobb, you're three. It's like no, like Cobb, you're the slot. Lazard, right. you're the Y. Watson, you're the X. Like, yeah, you're on the field the same amount of times, likely. But again, with like these receivers, don't have a lot of them. Like you see, Aaron Jones line up a lot on the outside, and AJ Dillon might be just the lone back for a, a, a lot of those plays, but. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's important to note that I think a lot of people don't realize AJ Dillon both outcarried and outrushed Aaron Jones last year and outscored Aaron Jones last year. So, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a changing of the tide or anything like that because I don't think it is. But it's important to respect how much work AJ Dillon did last year and still kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, they both could have arbor two finishes, maybe even like higher. Like you can see a Chubb, yeah, well, Chubb cream hunt. I was going to say 10 where, and 14. Wouldn't yeah, surprise sure. me. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to own both those guys. I think both have a fantastic. Yeah. One of the, the rare cases where you could own two running backs and, and play him both and play both <laughs> yep. every week and be happy with it. Ooh, I might, I might do that this weekend. <laughs> do it. Uh, and then tight end Robert Tanya's back. They gave him a deal. Um, he got hurt last <laughs> year. Hey, Mango, you think he's a uh, top fucking five tight end still, buddy? I actually read that article today because I was scrolling through our website. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he nailed the shit out of this. And then he got hurt. And was like, well, he got hurt. I'm like, dude, I wrote it five weeks before he did. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, but, I, I mean, that. It does just give him another target, which is great. Like, he, he's used to it, red zone guy. But I don't know if I want to own him. Um, he could be a, you know, yeah, a just, tight end flyer, he, sure. It's the same... Same case I made last year. He is good for a big play every now and again, but he's not a guy that I want in my lineup regularly. And I'm not going to try to guess the game that he makes a big play because it's either zero points or it's 25 points. And I'm going to start him in the zero point week and I'm going to lose the, the, the 25 point game. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I, he'll be on my bench. So right. he's not a guy I'm buying into. If he goes three weeks in a row, 20 points plus each week, I'll pick him up probably if he's just sitting there and then he'll probably score zero anyways. So it's kind of, it's just, He's yep. a guy that you spend your entire time owning him, trying to figure out when to play. You probably never hit it. Actualized fantasy point stat, zero percent. Yep. All right, so I, I think, think that's that does really it. it. Yeah, that wraps up the NFC Jinx. North. <laughs> Pinch poke, you owe me a coke. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, NFC North is wrapped up. Packers probably favorites to repeat again this year. They're probably the team you want to buy in the most on. Um, Minnesota really, close to yeah Minnesota I think is a little bit I would even say more clear I mean you know who you want the top five guys really Jefferson Thielen Osborne Cook Madison versus a little bit more question outside the running back position for the Packers so um, definitely something to keep an eye on but in any case this is Top Shelf Fantasy we're bringing you the NFC North we're going to be coming at you with the NFC West, wrapping up our division previews on the next one. So stay on the lookout for that. Should be coming right after this. So you'll probably have them both on the same day. Uh, look for the Listener League stuff. That's going to be coming out left and right. But also just start tweeting at us, Instagramming us, Facebook tagging us, whatever you guys do on the social medias. Uh, reach out to us one way or another. Get in touch. Sign up on the website. We'll get you at at a bare minimum, I can guarantee you that we'll put you in a drawing to make sure that you have a shot at getting in the league. And really, if you sign up on the website, we're probably going to put five you know, tickets with your name on it in the drawing and really give you a heavy shot. So sign up on the website, start getting access to some free articles that aren't going to be available to everybody else in the world. And uh, as always, stay fluid, stay loose. Top Shelf Fantasy. Stay fluid. Stay loose.